We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 358 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and joining me again is none other than off-season Barcelona, which is different than regular season Barcelona, because you know, Levon, one of us is seeing the team live after five years at the end of July, so I don't think that's you, but the other one of us is actually playing on the field at the Camp Nou in a few weeks. <laughs> uh, so I have to ask you, before we kick off anything else, we talk about the players, whatever, I feel like I've heard Little Birdies told me that once the club sees what's on display in that game, they're going to let Dembele walk. Who cares? We can find somebody to replace him, right? Man, I'm I'm just hoping that they're not going to broadcast it. <laughs> oh, um, we're, we're, I'm, I'm watching, and we're well, I'll send the link out. On, <laughs> that's a threat. I'm I'm so out of shape that they'll probably have to substitute me after five minutes anyway. But who cares, man? I get to kick a ball in in, in the camp now. Yeah. Like, how how awesome is that? That's just incredible. Well, I was going to ask, are you going to do what Messi did and walk around for the first few minutes surveying the field and kind of tracking your prey, figuring out who does what and where they go? Or are you just going to take it all in and then dominate right from the start, jump right into a tackle like Gabi? No, I I will run the first minute and then the, the next 29 minutes or uh, wait, 44 minutes, I'm just going to walk around and scan the field. <laughs> 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 because I'll be out of breath. Yeah. Uh, Good strategy. Jump in, like, get your action done early, then scan. <laughs> yeah. I, I play five or five every week at an incredibly low level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even at my low level, there are days that I'm the worst person on the pitch. There are days where I'm still the worst person on the pitch, but uh, somewhat decent. Anyway. Well, I mean, the only thing, um, that, the only scouting I really want you to come back to the show with is. Just understanding, and people who've been to the Camp Nou kind of understand that, that field is so wide and so big, and just how long it takes to go from point A to point B on the Camp Nou grass, as opposed to just when you are no, playing on a small field or whatever. No, it's a regular size football pitch. That, what you just said, Dan, is nonsense. What do you mean? Like a professional football, I'm saying any professional football pitch. Remember that video of Paris Saint-Germain when they uh, it, it was in the run-up to the to their six-one loss, and it was uh, Verratti and uh, Meunier, and then there were like four Paris Saint-Germain teams uh, players at a table, and Verratti was telling was asking them, "Have you ever played in the come down?" Like, no. And Verratti's like, "No, the pitch is so huge, it's incredible. Like, it takes forever to get from one end to the, of the pitch to the other." And I, I saw that video, 
And then I actually looked up the size of uh, the pitch on back the pants, uh, <laughs> and it's the exact same size as the mm-hmm. Gump now. It's a uh, 106 by what, what is it, 64 wide, I believe is is the regular size. It, it's the same size as almost any every football pitch. Um, well, maybe the fancy it, ones over makes, in Europe, but I think they're a little smaller here in the states. We fit them where we can fit them here in the city, but uh, but what, what makes it feel a little bit larger is that the stadium itself is huge and the, the seats like there are more seats yeah than pretty much every every other stadium and the, the lower ring is um not very steep the angle so it feels bigger because the because you see further right you you see further because the stadium is bigger but the pitch is the same size as any other pitch of course, the pitch is a lot a lot bigger than the five on five pitches where I usually play. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot nicer too. I think yeah. there's something about the the grass and the pristine and all that stuff. So yeah. I, I hope they I hope they have some nice grass for you. But okay, anyway, a guy that is very small yet makes the pitch look a little smaller because of how quick he gets around it is Gabi. I just want to hit this real quick. He was really good against Portugal. His performance is being praised accurately. He even helped Ferran Torres pick up an assist, and then he even helped. Morata score a goal. So both of those things are pretty big <laughs> to have Ferran Torres pick up some kind of final product and Morata. Um, yeah, and he's just a solid player. And what we're talking about today is money. It's a lot of boring stuff, but we'll try to make it as engaging for people as possible. But I, I think we start with Gabi's performance with the backdrop of renewing Gabi is now not only the most important thing for the club to do, we're at a point where it's almost the only possible thing that potentially the club can do. Again, the second part of that we'll get into in a second, but clearly renewing Gabi, regardless of whatever name you tell me, Koulibaly, Lewandowski, Rafinha, Azlaqueta, even Christensen, Kessier, doesn't matter because those aren't necessarily completely done deals. Even if they're agreed upon, they're not done. It's not over the line. Renewing Gabi is priority number one because I'm asking myself a question, which is a scary question to ask, right? If you said five years from now, who would have made the most first team appearances of this list of midfielders at Barcelona that's going to be there around next year? It's Juvenal A, Danny Rodriguez, we saw at the U-17, Spain, uh, at the, whatever it was, the, the Euro. You have Ales Garrido with Juvenal A and Barca B, Pablo Torres coming in from Racing Santander, Gabi, of course, Nico Gonzalez, and Pedri. And Pedri, injuries are the only thing that's going to ever truly derail him the next five years. That's it. It's just whether or not he can stay on the field, and indicates how he is. But if you told me of that group that, for some reason, that it's Ales Garrido is the, is the answer to that question, that's this terrifying situation we go well yeah the pedro is the injuries thing and nico was it that kessier pushed him out and there was no spot for him gabi he didn't renew pablo torre it didn't work out right danny rodriguez he's 17 still too young to i mean i know he's the same age as gabi but he's much more raw he's a who now ah he's actually you he's a real u17 player like they're supposed to be so like he just didn't work out right and that would be the example so there is this situation where i mean again that's me just being very cynical about that kind of question but renewing gabi that would be the answer as to why gabi has not made the most first team appearances next to pedri of that group i don't think chavi's chavi things like that of course um gabi played a lot more than anybody else expected he would have played less uh if we did not have uh so many injuries he obviously has an amazing future. We hope that it's at the club. I think Gavi also hopes that it's at the club. I understand that his agent uh, is a little bit difficult, but it's not something that we cannot overcome. And what you said earlier, like that Gavi is the most important name this summer for us. Well, I, I mean, for me, it's beyond obvious, um, but also I am one of the few 
people probably on Barca Twitter who keeps reminding everybody that if we do not sign anybody this summer and we just renew some of the talent that we have, I'm happy. And I've been saying that last week, last month, and six months from now. So, yeah, renew Gavi, if still possible. Although it's starting to seem unlikely, renew Dembele. And I'm saying unlikely. I mean, it's not as if he signed anywhere else yet. So, for people saying, oh, he's gone, he's gone. Oh, why hasn't he left yet? Well, yeah, real quick on Dembele. That's interesting because, right, the longer he doesn't sign with someone else, as the summer goes along, you get the sense that he might be more likely to renew with Barcelona the longer it goes on, as opposed to it was opposite, where it felt like throughout the season, from March to April, the longer that he didn't re-sign with Barcelona, that he would be going somewhere else, as long as I he mean, didn't renew. But but now you had a supposedly point, right. his his agent has been shopping him around for six months already, right? Exactly. So right. So now now the inverse is happening, where it was to a point where oh, if he hasn't renewed yet, then he won't renew, and now it's well, he hasn't signed anywhere else, so now he might be forced to renew. Well, and I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Dembélé. I think obviously Gabi is the most important uh, name for us this summer because. A 17-year-old starting like with so many starts for Barca and so many starts for for Spain, and um, you know, I think the, the the second half of the season, or at least in the last ten matches, Gavi hasn't played that well for us. But he's 17 years old. Of course, he's not gonna, you know, like geez, what do what do people expect for somebody seven for somebody that young? I mean, it's just uh, almost unprecedented. Well, yeah. He's, um, the, he's, the, the, only, the only the only big club where there are some presidents uh, presidents precedents is, is Barca, and it tends to turn out well for us when we keep those guys. Well, yeah, he's in that same category. You know, we talk a lot about linear growth and about adding things to your game. We've seen Pedri this season in his twenty one matches take that next step, and Fati. We're hoping to see his even if his next step. Fati's an interesting one because between Gabi, Pedri, and Fati. If they're just as good as they are right now, those are first-team players for 10 years. That's uh, Fatih doesn't need a next step. He that's just what needs I'm saying. to get back that's, where he was. That's exactly <laughs> like, what I'm saying. You know, yeah, that's, like Fatih, boom, go. Right, if that is Fatih, and go. this is Pedri, and that and this is Gabi, they're just fine. They're just fine, and, and linear progress is, is no, not no, no, necessary. Gabi still has a lot to improve, he and he will improve, and he needs to improve. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree that he will. I mean, certainly his final third product, very much just like Pedri, where, I mean, it, again, if I'm Gabi, I'm actually just watching tape of Pedri, my, my, own, my own teammate, as to how and where to be to, to end and find that finishing product. But yeah, so for all the worry about Gabi, though, maybe the worry should really lie again, which is the bulk of our show, with the finances. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure just how more. Well, those are related, right? Well, of course they are. So I'm not sure just how mortified I am with the big financial decisions to be made and exactly where the club is in their wallet. So this is some complicated stuff. You can correct me at any point. And you're mm-hmm. also, that being uh, Levon, going to be the one at the assembly on June 16th. So this is stuff that like, uh, you, if anything, have to have a better understanding than me. I don't know if I'll be at the assembly. I, I was not invited. It's not like everybody gets to go. Right. It's a, it's a select group. That gets invited. Don't, don't assume that I'm going to be there. If I get invited, I'll see if I can get the day off. Uh, if it's during working hours, so that I can actually go. Uh, what, what I think about the financial stuff, for me, it, it is just incredible that you know uh, so much is being said about uh, Barcelona's financials. You could almost say that it's the biggest story in football. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think it's been... If you find if you find a journalist actually willing to dig in and understand and try to explain to to the public what what is happening here, because even a lot of journalists who uh, who cover who cover La Liga, and I'm not talking about Mundo Deportivo or Marca or Us or or Sports, because those are tabloids. Like they they never they never explain anything. But even like journalists or papers that uh, are respectable. And cover La Liga, there, there is not one single person who, when they speak about Barcelona's finances, you actually have an idea that they know exactly what they are talking about. Well, I think the, there, the, the there, one there's I, always like allusions like, yeah, and, well, and snippets of, of information that we have, but nobody actually understands the whole picture. Nobody understands consequences of some of the, the things that might happen. It's, it's very weird. No, nobody completely understands the FIFA fair play rules either. Because it gets game broken. <laughs> um, well, I absurd. think well, last summer, I, the Athletics, Dan Mark Oregon, I think had the most comprehensive piece about that, about the Barca finances. And, you know, it's I'm not I, I'm not trying to defend the journalists or for the lack of coverage. But as as far as completely being able to understand what is transparent coming from Barcelona, like we have to assume then that the numbers that are not even being reported from Mundo or Sport or the numbers that are coming out from the club are not only completely transparent, but are correct. And like now you're saying, well, how much do we believe of Tebas? How much do we believe of Laporta? And we'll get into their feud in a second. Mm -hmm. But like now we're down to not even a whistleblower, but now you're talking about some kind of uh, leaked information from a rep from CVC who's going to give you different numbers and percentages because with these negotiations, whether it's Spotify, the CVC, the Goldman Sachs, S by Barca, like all of those different, the BLM, all of those different, which stands for Barca Licensing and Merchandising. Let me throw that out there really quickly. Um, so of all those different deals, like the more information that ever comes out before two signatures are put from either side on the dotted lines hurts negotiations. We know that. Yeah. So like these no, these actual numbers, like, and that, that becomes a hard part of it, right? Because even in negotiations, these numbers are changing, right? So like we'll even find out, oh, Dembele's, his, his, they wanted 10 million to start or something or, or 12 million plus. Uh, and then at this point, they might be at nine, but the negotiations are fluid. And that's, I think, what makes reporting on this so difficult um, as a whole. But it's also like the, the news cycle too, right? Like the minute you get some of these numbers right, one of the other numbers has changed in a different direction. And it's, it's, it's very difficult to fully understand what the numbers are from day to day, week to week. And they just, they're constantly changing. And I just don't think like, 
it's for these journalists, it's not prudent for them to be wrong 24 hours later, if that makes any sense, right? Like if they report on a financial story and then they're immediately wrong, like, so like- Yeah, but I, I don't even mean like the, the details of, of, of negotiations, but I, I mean like the simple stuff. So I, re- I remember last season, last summer, there was talk where if, if you cannot sign because you don't have a space within your salary limit, then you can sign with a four to one rule. Meaning if you save four euros, you get to spend one euro. But you were able to renew players who were still under contract. I distinctly remember this from last year. You were able to renew players if they were still under contract. If they were no longer under contract, then it would no longer be a renewal. You'd have to like fit them into the four to one rule again. You, you also remember this. Yeah, it's a new signing. Yep, we talked about it. Yep. Yep. Okay. H- however, this season, they're saying we might not be able to... Um, uh, to register Araujo. I'm not sure about that one. But like, which I don't, which I do not understand. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Because because first of all, yeah, he was renewed, but his contract had not expanded yet. If we had not renewed him, then he would still be part of the team. Yeah. Because his his contract wouldn't have run out until one year later. So and isn't that why well, that dead- so, so so what on earth would we need to have to re-register him for? I don't I don't get it. Same well, for Gavi. Well, doesn't well, yeah, doesn't that? I mean, that's why June thirtieth keeps being circled as this monumental date, right? Because the renewals of Sergio Roberto, Gavi, and Araujo, which obviously I listed in matter of importance, well, you know, renewing those three, that that's why those deals have to be done by June thirtieth, so that no, but for Araujo and still registered and, and, and for Araujo and Gavi, even if you don't renew them, they're still on the contract because they have one extra year. Yeah. Right? Because they still have one, one year left. Yeah. So, so, so this is one thing that nobody seems to be able to really have a clear answer to. The closest uh, I got was from Sitlow, who who said that he thinks that they count as renewals. Which you know, I love Sitlow, but I I would love somebody to, to tell me that he knows what what the rules are here. No, no slide on Sitlow. He's one of the best. I think he might be currently so, the best. Yeah. So, 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 so that's one thing. The the other thing is if. If we do not sign anybody, imagine that you know. If we don't sign anybody, because I know that if, if we're under the if we're under the salary limit, whether it's negative or we're, we're not within within the uh, within the limit, then we need to four to one rule to sign. Fine, I I'm actually okay with that because I've been saying for the better part of of a year that I'd be fine without sending, signing anybody this summer. Call, call me crazy, but I think life is longer than one season of being able to compete for the Champions League or not. Now, what actually has me worried is, would there be other consequences beyond the simple fact that we either cannot sign or we depend on the four-to-one rule to sign or renew somebody? Meaning that imagine in the worst case scenario, our salary limit is negative. And you say, well, the the only way that you can register uh, Araujo and renew Gabi is to sell Frankie de Jong. It is beyond obvious that in that case, 99% of us would be okay with selling Frankie de Jong, even though it hurts. And even though it hurts my heart more than my head, because Frankie de Jong seems like a really great guy. Obviously, he's a great talent, and he really, really, really wants to be here. Well, and at that uh, point, you've also lost all but, negotiation power as well. You've lost all leverage if the club is forced to sell him under some kind of financial deadline. So, Sure, but, they, 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 sure, they, sure. but that, that's irrelevant, because even if you sell him for $60 million, then uh, $60 million still gives you... Um, enough savings to register Araujo and Gavi on, I think, under the 4 I, well, to 1. But I think this is the, this is where I get confused, right? 
that there are there were sacrifices that needed to be made and mm-hmm. whether it's coming from the club or from journalists or whoever is the ones that are that are providing transparent information right that there's this this level of sacrifice that you and I are sitting at home trying to do this math with our fingers and our toes to say okay well Messi's wages were xyz and therefore the club took losses of xyz last season and Griezmann accounted for this this number of wages and whatever it was. And we don't look at Coutinho's sale as the actual transfer fee, but more as his contract and wages are finally ultimately off the books and count towards getting him off the books before June 30th of this season, um, this Mm -hmm. fiscal year. So as we're doing all that math and adding all that up, right, like there comes this thing where, again, it was Dermot Corrigan who said last year that just because right after Messi left, just because Messi's gone, there were much more difficult decisions to be made. And when he floated out names like Ansu and names like Pedri, it was kind of laughed off because it just seems like physically impossible, right? Like everyone else in the, in the, in the squad must be purged before you're talking about Ansu and Pedri. And that's, mm-hmm. it's just how that's going to be. Right. And, and so now you and I, and I think a lot of people are debating from player to player, their not only ability to stay at the club, but this hierarchy of who do you save if you can only save a number. But my bigger question is, how do we know when we're done saving? Like, what, when, I mean, how, how can you and I, again, trying to do the math on our own, figure out what that ultimate number is where Barca won't have to... Because who says that next summer, if this financial problem is not yet rectified, who says that next summer it's not... I mean, not to say Gabi or whatever, but I mean, I know Des has been up there for a long time, but like next summer that Ter Stegen obviously is the answer, right? Like next summer, then he is definitely the key. Or then Ferran Torres is the year this is where I'm. This is where I'm going with my question. Yeah. This, this is exactly where I'm going with my question because I'm saying, hey, you know, if the consequence or if the consequence of not being within the salary cap means that in order to renew the players that we want to renew, we have to sell Frankie Dion in order to like make this work on the, on, on the four to one. Okay we can accept it but what if the consequences are worse what if it is not a question of hey do we already discarding new signings the question is not hey can we renew players what if the question is if we are so far in debt not only can you not sign players not only can you not renew players you are actually going to have to start selling players if not, the club will go into administration because it's defaulting on its debt. It's not paying its debts to to the creditors, to to the banks, to the, the clubs who we own money to. Well, yeah, and, I mean, and, and and the only the only way to fix this is to destroy whatever value you have, which is in the form of, in this case, either players, or BLM, or the CVC deals. Well, yeah, that's where. So, well, yeah, that's now that what that's going it comes next, right? That. The, what's going to be discussed at the assembly is without understanding the dire situation of the salary cap, of how the squad could shake out based on that, decisions are going to have to be made about not even, it's not even about mortgaging the future, the financial future of the club. It's about, it's about selling off assets that are no longer going to be for sale later. It's to taking sums to get out of debt, debt now in the short term. And again, for the other thing that we do know from journalists for a long time, whether it was Sid Lowe or Sam Marston or Dermot Corrigan, they, they were all pretty adamant about their reporting that even if they couldn't provide the numbers, that the short-term debt was going to be Barcelona's short-term and major problem more so than it was going to be in the long term because of 
Barcelona as a financial asset, as a as a brand as a whole. So with these, I mean, I mean a short term problem is never a long term problem. So of course, of course not. So anyway, but what I'm saying about like the television rights, as you said, the BLM, like these break glass in case of emergency moves. And you know, I think the optimistic part of me says that the divine hope is that this break glass moment, and with revenue recovered at the gate after the pandemic, plus money expected when S by Barca is finished plus money made as the squad recovers as well financially. And, you know, the merchandising goes back up and the just the television rights deal, people are tuning in to Barcelona again and showing up to the stadium and all that stuff. As in theory, the squad continues to improve in this thing the Xavi is building and results follow. But, you know, part of this issue about kicking some things down the road, you can't really kick that television rights deal down the road the way that it seems like it's going to be drawn up and, and just and discussed to the assembly. So this is coming from an article that you actually posted in Mundo Deportivo's Roger Torreo, you know, saying that they, that being Barcelona, have thrown out all CBC deals, uh, that not only the CBC deal through Tebas and La Liga, which is 10% of the TV rights for 50 years, but they seem to have also ruled out their own agreement as well, which was 25% uh, for a, a much greater sum as well. So you can see that Barcelona... No, 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 they, no, they did not rule it out. So that's what's going to be discussed, you're saying? No, you, you, I think... A lot of people misunderstood that article because a lot, a, a lot of people said, hey, yeah, you know, Bar Bar Barcelona is smart because they're saying no to the CVC deal. Well, actually, what, what they've done is they say, no, they say no to the CVC deal with Tebas. Right. They are still trying to negotiate our own CVC deal. Mm. And there's talk of giving up not 10% of but, television rights. But 25%. But 25%, which is a lot more. I assume those 25% would be paid uh, would be would take place over a shorter period of time. So we're not talking about 10% for uh, over 50 years, but 25% over I don't know, less years. But 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 here again, my question like why is the club doing it? If the club is doing it so that it can sign players now, then I would be completely against it because yeah. I mean, no. No, if if we can rough out the storm with what we have, rough it out. If we can rough out the storm, and it means we need to sell Frankie de Jong, heartbreaking, but rough it out. Because we are in a bad spot now on the short term, but we're also in a bad spot because the club decided to uh, depreciate the values uh, that were on the books for Coutinho, for Roberto Neto, for Omtiti, uh, for Mateus Fernandes, and for Pjanic. So that, that's one thing that is going against us because uh, instead of those amortizations being counted against us over the next couple of years still, the club decided to put those in the debt column or in the negative column this season. We did that so that we would finally get rid of it. The club added 90 million to, to the costs uh, saying that you know we have a couple of open court cases and we're just going to put that money aside and count that money as a loss because we do not necessarily expect to win those court cases. Mm. They don't expect to lose them, but all of those were court cases from from the Rosé and Bartomeu time. So chances are, you they're know, not going to win. Yeah, we're not going to win them. In the court of so, public opinion, they've already lost. Yes. So, but, but between those amortizations and uh, those 90, 90 million for 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 those ongoing uh, legal issues, that that is already over two hundred and fifty million extra in debt. So this this goes way against us, but it's something that goes against us now. Normally, the next year, we would still have amortization of uh, planets, for example, counting against the club. But we have pulled that to this year. So, so this is one thing, and La Liga is right, Tebas is right. 
this board made that decision. So if we are in trouble now, more trouble now than what we could have been in, it's because we consciously made that decision. I think, or I agreed at the time that it was a good decision because it's better to bite the bullet and get rid of it so that we are healthier two, three years from now. Another thing that goes against us is that we have a couple of players on the contract, most notably Gerard Piquet, Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, that have incredibly high contracts. Now, I don't want to join the witch hunt and call these people evil uh, and say they cannot play football like so many idiots that uh, that are out there who do not understand anything what they see when they watch a football match. But having said that, those salaries are not going to be on the books one or two years from now. Yeah. They're counting against us now. But not only do they count against us now, what, what Bartomeu has done and also Laporta uh, is they have negotiated with these players to defer parts of their salaries. So that money that they were not receiving two years ago is going to come to them in the last years of the contract. Yeah. So right now and we're in neither, a situation neither where... The, neither were the numbers that we don't really truly know, like PK's 80 million. Like we're not sure. That that's the number no, that's been reported, but we don't know if that's true or not. We don't know if it's 80 million. But if we if we look at the, our, our rate structure six months ago, the club uh, published it and it was 450 million. What was it today? That Romeo, the uh, economical uh, vice president or mm-hmm. economical president of the club, uh, said that right now it's going to be 560 million. So this this wage bill includes the player salaries, includes the salaries of the of of the managers uh, of the Barca B team. I think even of the youth players. Barca Athletic. And, I, we got to get and, in the habit. We got to get in the habit of Barcelona Athletic. <laughs> right, and 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 it also includes the um, the amortizations. Yeah. So the money that is due because of the, the the transfers. Now, which which deals have Barcelona made since the, that four hundred and fifty million? Alba. Obama Young, who came on a free, I think his salary this upcoming season is going to be like six or seven million or something. Adama, but Adama is going back to to Wolverhampton, so that does not count against us. Dani Alves practically plays for free. Hundred thousand, yeah. And Ferran Torres. And Torres. Yeah. So Ferran Torres is gets like five, five, five million, five and, a half or and then and then eleven million per year yeah. amortization on that fifty-five million deal. Right. So with, with, between Alba and Ferran, we're talking about 20 million. That still leaves us with 450 is plus 20 is 470. That still leaves us with 90 million. So now we have to count Pjanic coming back. You know, he, he gets like, what, 12 million, something ridiculous like that. But hopefully we can get Pjanic off the books again. And if we get Pjanic off the books again, that's going to help us with the 4 to 1. Right. Right, because that's going to count as money saved. The amortization of Pjanic has already been taken care of as as debt. So it doesn't count in the wage bill, uh, I believe. It's going to count Trincao coming back. I don't know, honestly don't know what Trincao's salary was. I don't think it was too much because already when we made the deal for Trincao, I don't think we were doing that well in the money department. But Trincao, like the Trincao deal cost... 35, I think it was. 35, yes, because um, 11 went the other way yeah. for... Uh, for what's his name, the, oh, the striker to, um, that we sent Abel to Abel Ruiz. Yeah, Abel Ruiz. So his deal was thirty-five uh, divided by five years. That's seven million. So let's say between salaries of Pjanic and the amortization of Trincao, that's like what twenty-five million. Yeah. Um, do we have any other loan players coming back? Not that will do any significant damage. I mean, you didn't mention Brathwaite either, but 
Yeah, he didn't go out alone. Right, right. Uh, so, so, so there you go. So in total, our, our rates bill is going from 450 to 560. Let's say of that 50 million of it is down to Ferran, Auba, Pjanic, Trincao, and maybe some other players that come back from loan, but I cannot think of right now. Banyaki Pena and Alex, uh, Alex um, Callado made make almost nothing. No. So no, they whatever. they and make partially the salaries. They're the other loans no. we have. Yeah. Okay. So so that's that that's still like sixty million that is added to the wage bill due to existing contracts. Yeah. Of 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 players that are already at the club. Now, sure, some of it might be um, Araujo who who got a renewal and a better deal, right? Yeah. But still, like all, all of this is all of the players who agreed to lower their salary a bit. Yeah. And now magically are going to get all that money. So so that that that's also a big part where the problem is. So if, if you can hold the fort and not make any signings this season, you know, uh, Jordi's contract runs out in two years. Uh, Busquets next year. PK, when does his contract run out? Um, I think. Uh, two, two years as yeah, well. That's years. right. I'm talking about yeah. 80 million over two years, right? So basically what, what the club should do is wait two years. Right, right now we have we have a wage bill that's almost double the wage bill of Bayern Munich. So I mean, our our wage bill being what it is, like that's not going to be last for forever. And we we are not going to you know have to write off players every uh, every year either. So part of the short term issue is caused by specific things that are happening right now and. Here again, I repeat the important question. What is the consequence beyond not being able to sign players if we are in the negative right now? If if the consequence is you can't sign players, fine. We should not cry about it. If the consequence is you're going to have to sell, sell Pedri or Anzu Fati, then yeah, maybe start selling off uh, BLM and maybe even consider uh, the CVC deals, which will hurt us in the long term. Uh, just not to lose all of the talent that we have right now, because it would be better to keep Pedri and Ansu and Gavi and Araujo at the club and have significantly less money to spend over the next 10 years than to be able to spend money. But over the 10 years, we don't have uh, Pedri and Araujo and Ansu Fati, because like, we're not going to be able to sign them. Right. They'll, they'll, they'll be gone. And good good luck trying to replace them with a bit more money. Yeah, those are transfers you don't replace. That's impossible because yeah. you're never going to get those players at your own number are the numbers. Exactly. Um, how, 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 however, giving up 25% of TV rights so we can sign Marcos Alonso? <laughs> no, I mean, that's laughable. That's what we're laughing. Or, 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 or even like to sign Rafinha and Lewandowski. Agreed. Like, we, would be, we would be insane. To give up 25% TV rights for for those players, but are, are they going to win us the Champions League next season? No, no. Villarreal made it to the semi-finals with their squad. We we should be okay just yeah playing playing the people that we have for another two years and just qualifying for the Champions League. Like don't don't take on crazy debt and uh, give up TV rights for for players that yeah they would improve us. Uh, well, it's a reminder that, that is what has me. That is that is what has me worried. Worried, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the power of Barca, right? That 
for the you and I are talking about this cataclysmic potential of Barcelona going into administration, and they still finish second in La Liga. They still with the Bart with with the mess that Bartomeu and Rizal before him, that with the mess of the last decade, got these finances in at this club. This club still managed to get with that squad that they had, with Fati out most of the year, with Pedri out for over half of the year, they still made a second place in Liga. That's just mm-hmm. how good they are and the project and the plan that they have going forward. Now, the I guess the fun part of this, uh, not a fun part of this, but the the soap opera part of this, uh, and I'm not talking about the PK Shakira stuff. Again, I agree with you. I'm not getting on PK about his performances. If he chooses to retire as a player, I think Barcelona are going to be missing out on a good player next season, but also financially it might make the most sense in the long run. But the thing I do not condone, obviously is if his actions against Shakira are true. But again, that's his personal business. That's not ours. But yeah, it could. How, how are you going to cheat on the mother of your children? Like, Yeah, I mean, my honestly. wife My wife has known for 15 years that I have been a, a, a stan of, of, of Shakira. And uh, yeah, it, I'm frustrating. So I independently liked her music and I independently liked him as a the defender. So, so to, be, to be honest, the only way that cheating and Shakira makes sense is if Shakira is the person that you're cheating with. Yeah, I mean, I don't go into it at all, but uh, it, it's a convincing argument. So, all right, speaking of convincing arguments, Tebas and Laporta, this little soap opera rivalry, uh, the only thing that really matters here, so Tebas said that Lewandowski can't be a Barca player, going so far to say that they needed to sell assets like De Jong and Pedri. And it's not great when the president of your league says that, like, because even if it's true, it's not in Tebas's best interest to say that. So Laporta basically told him, in the great words of Will Smith, to get Barcelona out of his damn mouth, citing him potentially harming their transfer policy and, in turn, harming La Liga's image. And that is absolutely correct, right? right? Like, two wrongs don't make a right here. And, you know, one of the wisest things that anyone ever told me, this is one of my favorite sayings, and this applies to a lot of things in life, take care of your house. And that doesn't mean you don't have empathy for those around you or stick to your own business all the time. It means that make sure your house is in order before casting stones at someone else's. And this is maybe just me being the the overt Kool-Aid here. But, you know, Tebas has bigger problems with the Liga. Barcelona being one of them, sure. But he has much bigger problems with the Liga outside his own walls uh, than he does. I mean, like, it's totally fair for him to say, hey, these are the fair play rules in Spain. You got to stick to them. These are our rules. But Tebas also needs to audit and understand that those rules that are keeping a competitive balance the best they can in the Liga are also what's holding back the league as a whole because they aren't the same as other leagues like the, the Prem when it comes to their fair play rules. So he has to understand the contradiction with the rules that exist in the Liga as a whole as well. And that's what I mean by take care of your own house. Like again, like Barcelona is making a mess inside the house. Sure. But Tebas not understanding that there's a fire going on outside the house and the exterior is not looking good. And I think I've taken this house uh, analogy a bit too far here, you know, but, you know, if Barcelona has decided to take a step forward and is already considering reducing the salary of up to 50 percent of their their players again, or sorry, their players up to 50 percent, with the exception of those who recently signed in uh, last January or renewed, you know, that's already trying to push towards the parameters of what is a wage restraint. So, again, two wrongs don't make a right. Barcelona got themselves in this mess, and not necessarily Laporta, but Bartomeu, and Laporta is making decisions that are not easy, where, again, it's he could be wrong no matter what he does. Laporta is going to be wrong with the decisions he makes, whether it's mortgaging TV rights for the next X number of years, or whether it's having to sell players that 
are assets that you don't want to sell. Like he's going to have to make difficult decisions that people are, like his critics are going to get on him about. And, you know, I have to give a, a, a shout out as well to, to Ellie in the Facebook group who did mention that, like, this is not me standing for any any president necessarily, but it actually comes back. And you probably have an opinion on this, that I think that if Font was in the position Laporte would be in, he'd already have a vote of censorship going out against him because Laporte was, in truth, we are learning that he was the only man with the name cachet and the the wall of invincibility from his first presidency to, I think, survive the difficult decisions that were having to be made. So if anything, I'm very thankful that it winds up being Laporte, even though Font had, we'll say, maybe a better plan. We're learning that any plan was, was going to be uh, not even impossible to carry out, but any plan was going to mean that you were going to upset people. That was the financial situation that that the next president was going to be left with. And again, now I'm thanking my almost thanking my lucky stars that you're having someone so magnanimous as Laporta to to argue with Tebas in in the in the media or to hold the line on deals that he needs to or just to be this front facing figure or to the point again where I have to mention from the from a media perspective it might be different in Catalonia, but the protection, the umbrella that Laporta has afforded Alemani and his economic directors and Jordi Cruyff and everybody else and Xavi, everyone else who's making decisions underneath him are being shielded by the fact that he does those those odd, you know, in better good times or bad, he does those odd mono, uh, monologues, right? Like, do they make me like, are they purposeful? Do they, do they help? Like, I never feel better about them. But he also is the one who's saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm going to take all this attention until we're out of this mess. And whether he enjoys that attention or not, like that's that's up to him. But the fact that you have a president who is being that figurehead, sometimes in world football, especially when you have a club that's built like Barcelona in the same way that Florentino Perez does for Real Madrid. And I mean, you can't really say that for anybody else because, again, Valencia is a different ownership group and you see the mess that that creates. But, you know, for these clubs that are built from socios and from a, a group of people who are upholding your club, like having a figurehead like that who is even more so a magnanimous figure than he is some kind of economic genius is helpful in this case. But again, between Tebas and Laporta, I would hope that they just don't have a dialogue at all. But if I'm going mm-hmm. to if I'm going to associate blame to anybody, like Laporta has is taking on his own blame, but he's also again still dealing with the mess of somebody else. Tebas, his mess is his mess. He's been in charge this entire time, and the fact that he never brings into the conversation the internal dialogue he needs to in a way that the commissioner of NBA, you know, I'm a big NBA fan, Adam Silver. Adam Silver makes his mistakes, but he also is very transparent about the ways in which the NBA needs to continue to try things and to work forward and to continue to try to accomplish goals in certain ways. And he's pretty transparent of that. And both players tend to like him and owners tend to deal with him. And that's why the NBA is in a good spot. And the league is in an awful spot because Tabas is doing, you know, he's done some things right, but as a, he's a PR disaster. I'm actually a big fan of the the fair play rules. I think it is a disgrace that it does not help uh, that they don't do it in other countries. But I'm a big fan of the fair play rules. And I think that Javier Tebas, for uh, all his faults, and I'll get to his faults in, in a second, I think Javier Tebas is absolutely right in saying, hey, these are the rules. And the rules are the same. It does not matter whether you are Granada or Bilbao or Madrid. Or Barcelona. Those are the rules for everybody. Totally agree. So th- this this is something that I really agree with. I don't like Tebas' his personal politics. He's uh, 
very right wing. He has aligned himself with uh, Spanish right wing party. I do not like uh, that Tebas is a Madrid fan, but at the same time, I have not seen him really favor Madrid over over Barcelona. I've also seen him put down Madrid in public uh, various times. Uh, I have seen him also stand up for Barcelona in public various times. So, uh, you know, whenever he does, you you have like when he says that he's going to make an official complaint about Mbappe, people are saying, well, why didn't he do it when, when Neymar got sold? Uh, actually, he, he also complained a lot about Neymar getting sold, but there's a difference between Paris Saint-Germain um, putting up 220 million for, for Neymar, who is some, which is a transfer fee in, in a good year, and Paris Saint-Germain operating at a loss for two, three consecutive years and paying 300 million just to keep a player, not even to sign a player, but to keep him. So there, there's no inconsistency there. I think that Tebas should shut up more. He always like uh, feels the need to to bring these arguments in, in, into the public. Um, he has done that. It, he, he has argued with uh, Rubiales, the president of the Spanish Football Administration, for years now, which is a public spat between the La Liga and the Spanish Football Federation, which is just absurd. Like, it does nobody any good to constantly fight in public. Well, those kind of arguments hurt grassroots soccer more than or football more than anything else. That's it. The, the, the lower the lower down you go the totem pole, when FAs and and the top leagues argue and fight and kind of keep their own assets to themselves, like that's the it's it's down the it's down the pipe that that is most affected by that mm-hmm. in negative ways. Yeah, but, but but also like you know, Tebas should not comment on who Barcelona can or cannot sign because yeah. th- this hurts the club. Tebas just does it because he wants Barcelona to sign up for the CVC deal, which you know I still don't know whether it's good or bad. I think it's not good for, not necessarily good for Barcelona. And I think Barcelona and Madrid and Athletic Bilbao should have the right to say no, we don't want it. At the same time, I I agree with Jean Laporta to say hey, Tebas should not say these things in public. But then why does somebody from the board today go out in public and say? part of the mess that we are in is Javier Tebas's fault. Because it does not matter whether it is true or not. We all know Javier Tebas. And we know that Javier Tebas is going to tweet about it. He's going to give interviews about it. In those tweets and in those interviews, he's going to say the same things about Barcelona that we don't want him to say in public. So, you know, yeah, it's, what the it's, hell? It's, no, it's, it's, it's a two wrong, don't make a right thing. Well, the same well, way well, why, yeah. why would we shoot ourselves in the foot here? Yeah. And, and again, Tebas' fair play rules, they're great. It's not Tebas' fault that other leagues don't don't abide by their rules. And it's not because other leagues don't abide by their rules. I mean, if if my neighbor renovates his kitchen with money does not, that he does not have, that does, does not mean that I should renovate my kitchen with money that I don't have. Well, it does. You know, to, bring it, it, to bring it back to your house analogy. Well, yes, but it does. Yeah, well, but, well, yeah, we're going to do that then because it, it does when the greatest prize in in kitchendom in Spain is if there's an award, a big trophy and a lot of money handed out for the best kitchen on the block and and then and your neighbor is spending money that he doesn't have on a new kitchen and you're not spending that same money because you have been told this is our budget. If you want any upgrades to your kitchen, you have to use this amount of money. So I mean that's 
that would be the analogy there. Like there is an ultimate prize at the end of this. Cause you're right. Like if, if, if league yeah, didn't but- matter, then, then that's what you'd be talking about. But again, this is like another about the two wrongs don't make a right thing. Right. Cause I think behind all this is that other battle we don't want to talk about. And that's the fact that we just watched UEFA completely bundle the handling of the champions league final. Like UEFA absolutely fell on their face and embarrassed themselves that's yet, Karim Benzema's fault, though. Of course. Of course. <laughs> did, of course you see, did you see that video I on did. French TV? I did. Oh, so my God. Then, what, right, right. What idiots. Yeah. So, <laughs> the but then the Super League business hangs over all of this as well, right? Like, again, two wrongs don't make a right. And there's all these things behind the scenes of how can those who are trying to make money make the most money. But speaking of making money, all right, I think we, we put a pin in that. So, the last thing we have to do real quick is say goodbye to Lucky Martins from Barca Femini. And unfortunately, it's under negative circumstances. That's the only reason I'm really bringing it up because usually we just say uh, very much like Leila, who uh, the outside back who also leaves, leaves after 198 first team appearances, 13 years for Leila, always a humble servant to the cause, one of the most consistent players in the league campaign week in, week out. And honestly, she's one of the big reasons when there was all those injuries the last two seasons, why the Femini, again, just dominated from week to week, regardless of the match. Leila was a huge part of that, very consistent at outside back. But for Martins, it was kind of almost the opposite, where so this all breaks down, never responded to Barca's initial offer, and Barca also didn't line up or replace him for that reason, which, again, you question Zubi Zaretta and his decisions. Different Zubi Zaretta, by the way. Markel Zubi Zaretta, the, uh, the, the sporting director of the Femini, why a replacement wasn't necessarily lined up. But, yeah, it was a rough ending to an interesting time, that being for Martins at the club. After winning the Best Player Award for her work with Netherlands in 2017, signed for Barca, like, you really thought that she was going to be next, right? You thought that she was going to be the next major superstar of, 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 of women's football. But injuries and maybe to a point too many cooks in the kitchen as well, especially on the wings and up top in Barca's front three in the kitchen. Like, it just it left me wanting more from her time with the feminine, which is frustrating. And I, I think I do sum her career at Barcelona with the moments she had were absolutely electric. You get a bit, and I think... I got a bit of Terry Henry out of her, even though Henry was older when he moved to Barcelona than Martins was. She was, again, she was going into stardom. She was, her, her stock was raising as opposed to Henry. We knew that we'd already seen the best of his years at, at Arsenal. Um, but, you know, for both of them in their time at Barca, there were highlights. They won games on their own because of their sheer brilliance, but they often took a backseat for the stars that were week in and week out, showing up game after game after game and seemed to just be better fits or were more fit and more available and more durable. Um, so this is not me. I also like- think that what happened with, uh, with Lika is that, you know, she, she won the, the female Ballon d'Or. Um, what, what was it that year that's, that she won? Like, uh, I don't know if it was the European cup. That's what it was. With, 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 with Holland. Yeah. It was the Euros. And, yeah. And you know, people don't watch that much female soccer. So if then somebody shines in the tournament, then for the whole world, it's like, hey, that's it. She is the greatest player. Like they have not, they did not watch her for a whole season. Mm-hmm. No, she just blew up in the tournament. Whereas she had a good tournament. You know, uh, whenever I did watch Barca Family, which is not a lot, but uh, I, I have seen Liga live. She seemed to be completely unremarkable. Now this might be because I caught her in the wrong matches, and because I don't watch that many matches. So, yeah, if, if, if she leaves, okay. There was this rumor that she was leaving because, because of her husband. I don't know. Now it's saying that Paris Saint-Germain will uh, give her twice as much money than, than Barcelona, which, um, you know, I, I think at, at that level uh, for, uh, for female football players, that actually makes a lot of difference in, 
in somebody's lives where where the the salaries for male players is like you know hey you know so so what you're gonna get 50 million over a period of five years or 25 million like it's more money than you can count right anyway it's it's like you know it's, it's really not gonna make a difference in your life you're already like rich beyond your wildest dreams yeah but, are you affecting um, three but, generations ahead or four generations mm, ahead right e- e- exactly yeah. but but maybe for 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 Lika martins with the money that barcelona is paying her and the money that paris saint-germain is going to pay her maybe that really does make like yeah a significant difference to 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 her future this this is possible i don't know yeah, yeah. So we, we do wish her well, um, of course. Uh, Lecky Martins, again, I was very excited at the signing at the time. Uh, and, you know, it's been interesting to see because, again, what she was expected to be for the team is basically what the combination of Alexi Puteas and Bonmati and Caroline Grant Hansen and Jenny Hermoso have been. So the Femini will see more changes in this offseason. But, you know, with the emphasis that the club is going to continue to put on having the Femini be as good as they, they are, I think... When you hear stuff from the club, they fully understand the golden goose when it comes to women's football that they have on their hands. And even that loss to Lyon is not enough to, you know, quote unquote, abandon a project, right? Like there is at the moment, even though they lost the one match to Lyon, there certainly is a top two in, in women's football and it is the two teams that made that Champions League final. But yeah, mm-hmm. speaking and, of... And not, and not just that, not just that, like, you know, there, I don't think there's anybody anywhere in the world where 90,000 people right. show, up, show up for, for a women's football team. Yeah, other than like the, the Women's you know. World Cup final in the right place. But it has to be in the right country, at the right stadium, in the right time of the year. At, uh, and it all has to be perfect. Yeah, or 90,000 will show up. Yeah, you're right. So, okay, so that'll wrap it up. Uh, the one thing I do have to plug here is that, well, speaking of, of Dutch stars, by the way, uh, and then speaking of Laporta, by the Me? way. Oh. Uh, nope, nope. I actually was thinking of Johan Cruyff again. Uh, and I did realize that over the course of five years, I really haven't done too much on Johan Cruyff other than conversation on the pod here or there and again very much like Barcelona Cruyff is always will exist always in the background but um, I do have a a long piece on Cruyff coming out I don't know how long but it is a very in-depth piece about Cruyff coming out in the next few days as I do wonder you know speaking of all the things that we just talked about with the finances how he would fit into as the word that he coined the Intorno at Barcelona now so I got thinking of Cruyff and of course so we're going to do a deep dive on Cruyff that's coming up on the YouTube channel and I'll probably actually put it here on the podcast feed as well so look out for that in the next few days so in the meantime though to wrap things up if you want to follow Barcelona not only for his hot takes but also for his discussions of the finances at the club. I think he does a pretty, he's right here. He can hear me, but he's done a superb job of that kind of stuff on social media. So make sure to go down in the show notes and give him a follow. In in which I, in which I basically tell people that, you know, I don't understand what is going on with club finances, but, but, but I'm proud of Carry you. Carry on. Go on. No, no, I'm proud of you. I don't know is three of the hardest words to say. So I don't know uh, is, is, is we, we spent an hour doing I don't know, which is still more than others do and they assume they know. So I, I'd rather deal with that. So you can follow us too on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod, our closed Facebook group, Barcelona Podcast, Patreon, YouTube, and of course the merch store as well. That's the Barcelona Podcast on Teespring, but it's easier to hit the show notes down below. So most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Barca.